So I'm really excited. Let's see. So today is Monday. Tomorrow is going to be the first time that anyone learns about a new thing that I'm launching. So a lot of people have been reaching out and they want to connect with me, with this work, with others. And it's really, really important to me for my own mission that that can be something that's very, very accessible to like the broadest possible population and that we're creating a space that is diverse and cutting edge and future oriented. So I have a membership site that is launching tomorrow. I'm so excited. So if you're interested in learning more about that, listeners, you can go to keneal.com slash yes. And part of the membership experience is going to be when I have interviews like this in the future, one of those per month is going to actually be recorded live. And after the recording piece of it is done, the guest is going to stay on and we'll close the doors and it will be an intimate members only conversation with the guest. Mm -hmm. So you can just imagine if you're inside the membership, then this could be a conversation that you get to stick around for after we say goodbye here. And you'd get to actually ask Shelly your own questions in your own words and see her face in real life. So please do check that out at Keneal.com slash yes. All right. Here I am dialing in like in my bathing suit cover up like from Palm Springs because our, our house is being worked on. So we escaped. So if you're watching this video live, that's what's going on. That's why you don't recognize this background. And that's why I seem to be at the beach. You are allowed to be whole. Allowed. When you were born, you were whole. Perfect. And somewhere along the way, you learned that parts of you were not allowed here. What are the pieces of you that you've put into the basement? The parts of you that we cannot see anymore or that you cannot even remember? And how can you reclaim the wholeness that is your birthright? I'm Dr. Keneal Joyce, and I'm here to join you in exploring these questions and many more you didn't even know you were allowed to ask. You are allowed to grow. You are allowed to dream. You are allowed to be exactly who you are and to become the next version of who you want to be. Start your journey of exploration with me right now on Allowed. Hi, this is Keneal. Welcome back to Allowed. Today, I am looking at a leader whom I met years ago, we think 2013, uh, when I was actually on the job market. My company just been acquired. Somehow the remarkable COO of then an education company reached out to me and we just bonded. I remember being, it was a very hot summer day. I believe we were walking through some back road in Palo Alto to get to a Starbucks or Menlo park and just ended up really clicking. And my sense is that Shelly clicks with everybody that she's ever met but I knew for sure I wanted to stay in touch with her. So Shelly Taylor, I welcome you to Allowed. Well, thank you, Keneal. And it was a long time ago, but it feels like yesterday. And when your podcast started, it was like a, almost like a handmade card from a friend arrived, right? Like all of a sudden something super personal shows up and I'm telling my friends, oh my gosh, I know that woman. She's my friend and she's created this podcast and I fell in love, but you know, what's interesting is just even going back to the time we met, the impact that you had, but then how important your podcasts have been for me in my own leadership journey, particularly starting at Alamo. And so it's, it's funny how we kind of come and go, but 
you know, there is definitely a connection. And I think it's probably true of you too. You connect with most people. It's neat. <laughs> I try. I try. Thank you, Shelly. Wow, that's really, really touching to hear. For those who have not had the benefit of knowing Shelly personally, as I have, uh, I'll share a little bit about, about you, Shelly, if you don't mind, and then we're going to dive into the conversation. Shelly Taylor is the CEO of Alamo Drafthouse Cinema. Her career as an executive highlights her passion for people. I feel that so deeply from you, Shelly. And also her passion for leading all stakeholders to deliver results. Uh, this has been a through line in your career is really mobilizing people across departments and across companies and across the world, forming partnerships, even all the way back to your your work um, running Starbucks Asia. So since being named the CEO of Alamo Drafthouse Cinema in May 2020, and think about that, two months after a global pandemic, which made it impossible to go to the cinema. Okay, so this is how daring this woman is. Since then, uh, she's been focused on leading through COVID. And what an exciting, innovative opportunity, right? And the reopening of this company's 41 theaters. Wow. And how do you ensure the safest possible experience for your guests and also your teammates? And if I know if I were in that industry and maybe had some on top of the business concerns, also those personal concerns of safety and myself and my family and the sometimes awkward moments around how are we going to navigate this in our company and going back to work? There's nobody that I'd rather have taking care of me really than you, Shelly. And so I'm really grateful that you're in that role at this time. Thank you. I'd love to hear a little bit about you as a mom. Can we start there? Yeah, that's my favorite subject. I have an almost 17-year-old and he actually had his first sort of date this morning. Um, Yeah, he um, went rowing with another girl, you know, had had just a great morning. So I'm just kind of beaming. I got little snippets, not much, um, but what what an almost 17-year-old will share. It's funny, being a parent's the best thing when you become a mom or or a dad. I think you truly learn what it means to love someone else unconditionally, and then how to be of service. Mm -hmm. And then you learn how to lose yourself because you learn, you lose all your boundaries Mm -hmm. and give everything to that, that being. And then hopefully along the way, you learn how to get some of those boundaries back and, and maybe have balance. I don't know, but I'll tell you when they become teenagers, it's a lot easier. And um, he's, (laughs) he's a joy, absolute joy. Keeps my life real. Well, you know, I was a very new mom when I first met you, I guess my first child at that point was two years old, which to think that what I was doing in my career with a kid of that age, like I, that feels so crazy to me now (laughs) in retrospect, but you made it such a huge impression on me that one day we got coffee in, in Menlo Park because of the way that you were talking about the choices that you chose to make and how you adapted and evolved your own career it was almost like you gave me really permission to really drop into that identity, that new and sometimes uncomfortable identity of, you know, being called mom. And at that age, you know, that's terribly long after you start hearing that word all of the time. Right. I was super inspired because you just had such a grounded confidence in how you held your really well integrated identity as a professional executive mother. I wonder if you could just share a little bit about those choices and how you think uh, motherhood has shaped your career. You know, one, we waited. I waited till I was later in life. I didn't know that I, well, actually, I thought I didn't want a child. And then, you know, 
one day woke up and was like, I need one and I need one now. And, you know, you prepare for the pregnancy, but you really don't prepare for afterwards. I mean, you think you do, Mm -hmm. um, but there's no realization of what it means to have the impact of time commitment just thrown upon you. Mm -hmm. And I was super fortunate, you know, Starbucks has always been just such a progressive people first type company that as long as you show up or, you know, and, and bring your best skills and perform, they give a lot of leeway for how you do it. And mm-hmm. so I was surrounded by a lot of fantastic female leaders who had been through this journey and, and were very supportive and male leaders, quite frankly, you know, so I had lots of support. And I just came into this with, I want to act like I'm a stay at home mom. And that's my focus. That's what I want my son to feel like every day. Like that's, Mm -hmm. he is my world. And when I'm at work, I want everyone at work to think I'm a professional and they're the only people in the world that matter to me. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't always come off perfectly, but I think the big or the piece that when it started to sink and groove was when I realized there is no such thing as work-life balance. Mm-hmm. It's work-life coordination. Mm-hmm. And once you kind of break all of the rules of these, this is how it has to go. And I have to be perfect and get all these things, you know, in this, in, in societal's, you know, construct and realize that it's just going to flow. And some days are messy and some days aren't. And some mm-hmm. days your house is clean and some days it's not. And some days you order out for pizza because you just need a break, mm-hmm. even though that's not your value, um, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden it just, you know, something happens. But I do think it's important and, and really, you know, as I joke about it, but the critical piece is your work environment. And when you're surrounded by people who are willing to support and honor it, um, that makes a huge difference. And, you know, so because I was so, so well supported, I have in turn wanted to do the same for as many people as I can. Oh, and that, that is a world changing difference that you make, I believe when you do that, you know, even thinking about the impact of my own personal, like, actual integration of, of that identity as a mom and kind of leaving that a little bit of a macho personality I would embody sometimes at work and working in a very, very male dominated industry, like dropping that. Oh my gosh. Like what a difference that made to my kids being able to really feel like how very proud I am to have that as my job. So I know that you make a big difference when you support other moms like that especially at work. And we need it. One in five moms right now is dropping out of the workforce through COVID. And I just think about that, even if that statistic is exaggerated, right? Like if it were one in 10, I I believe the statistic, but that is so profound. Mm -hmm. And I just think about the burden of moms right now at home and the expectations that are put on you to be everything to everyone and finding that balance is going to be critical. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not just, you know, I think that work environments become overly focused on productivity metrics in the wrong way versus, you know, letting people do their best work. And mm-hmm. by the way, their kids probably could be along the way. And if we all want to be great corporate citizens, everything we're doing at home right now, or whenever we're working and being great professionals, we're teaching our children. Mm -hmm. My child's going to be fantastic. Some employer is going to love him. (laughs) You know, he's learned so much um, by, especially this last year, being home and listening to a lot of conversations, but even over the years. Yeah. Getting to shadow you 
uh, we, we actually had an expert on the show around um, moms and parents um, during COVID and the different impact that there's been on them and some of their coping mechanisms. So listeners, if that is of interest to you, that was with Professor Dana Schumpter. I'll post a link to that in the show notes for this episode so you can trace back and find that one. All right. Aside from that busy job, let's hear a little bit about what you're up to day to day now over at Alamo. Yeah, it's been a crazy road because I joined and the venues that our theaters had closed due to the due to COVID and we weren't working from the office. So my first week's months, in fact, my entire career now with Alamo has been remote. And I was realizing just the other day, just how official my relationships are because Mm -hmm. they're always scheduled. They're always via a Zoom and I'm missing desperately the unofficial bump in the hallway chat kind of conversation. But the quality of like joining at this time or the force of being intentional is pretty incredible. And that's where I was talking about the drama triangle. I was listening to that just for my own personal self. Um, I I try to not live in drama or I say I don't like drama, but yet I like to invite it. I was like, oh, shoot, a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, But also your conversation with Simon Darcy and, you know, how do you how do you build authentic relationships? And so, you know, again, I just can't thank you enough, but you're just kind of your podcasts have been my friend mm-hmm. um, sort of in this journey and, and support in many ways um, of, of integrating. And so it's been, it's been pretty incredible, but I don't know, nine, 10 months in now um, mm-hmm. to the pandemic, we're still not, you know, we have less than 12 locations open um, due to either state regulations and, and mandates and or just the inability to be profitable because of capacity restraints. Mm-hmm. And so our focus right now is how do you restructure, how do you, how does a healthy company avoid bankruptcy that should have never occurred? This is not my cup of tea. Like I'm a growth junkie. I figure mm-hmm. out how to be in good businesses that are going to grow <laughs> rapidly. And, you know, so learning a ton about banking and, and finance in a way that I never expected, but I'll be well-rounded when this is all done. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Look, look forward to normal days again. So I, I would love to hear more about uh, how that the episode with Simon, uh, this was episode number 16. I believe you're talking about the tools for authentic relating with uh, my friend, Simon Darcy. How did you apply that in your leadership? You know, so Alma is amazing, super creative, 20 years of, you know, just setting a standard for, you know, cinema and, and how to experience it and creating great films. And I think, you know, what you've talked about in some of your podcasts is, there's also our shadow side. And of course, every organization has their shadow side. Mm-hmm. And I came in at a time that's under crisis. So you're seeing both the great, but also a little bit of the shadow and some of that insecurities, you know, and so coming in and having some really real authentic conversations about who we are and how, where we want to go, you know, so, you know, things that you guys talked about was slow down the conversation um, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when you're afraid, and I tend to get nervous in, in group conversations or public conversations. So just stop, breathe, slow down the conversation, name it, mm-hmm. and then set and stem. Well, mm-hmm. seems so simple, is an incredible tool for changing a con- for either 
deepening a conversation, changing it if you need to, lightening it, intensifying. It just yeah. is so dynamic. Um, so, so for the listeners who didn't hear episode number 16 yet, what is a sentence stem and how do you use it? A sentence stem is the beginning of a sentence that's open-ended and it allows everyone in the room to participate by finishing that sentence quickly and concisely. So you get a lot of voices and you have a moment then to, you know, and you can keep going or you can reflect, Mm -hmm. um, but it's just a moment of, for me, presence, um, true presence and true learning about everyone in that group. Because you don't know, you have no idea what they're going to say. And it's also that you just participated in the same thing where you're about to, and it adds this neat level of tension. It, can you remember any of the stems that you used to kick off those conversations? Yes, yeah, some of them were as simple as my favorite movie of the week and mm-hmm. how it made me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were, today's been a really tough day and here's the one reason why. Mm-hmm. Or another one has been in the middle of all of this toughness, there's still a spark of joy and I might feel guilty about it, but here's my spark of joy because mm-hmm. a lot of people have been feeling guilty. If they have good days, you're like, do I deserve to have a good day right now? Mm-hmm. Everything's so crappy. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's been others, but it's just, it just keeps going. And, and the best thing is once you start it, everyone starts owning it and taking takes over the sandstone and you mm-hmm. sort of, you no longer have to be the one that starts. Yes. It. Yes. That's a big deal for leaders too, to be able, you know, I think that there's always that tricky balance of everyone wants to hear from the CEO and they need to hear from you. You know, you set the tone, you set the horizon line, you set the vision, you're inspiring. And so many CEOs that I work with have named that I don't want to be the only one talking, but no one else will pick it up after I'm, after I talk. So how do I get everyone else in the room to participate. I love sentence stems too for, um, you know, with family, you know, hard, hard day in the household. Maybe we've been fighting with each other, really cranky or tired, or people, you know, have been wanting more attention using something as simple as if today were a movie, it would be, and then we can kind of come in through a side door to have a conversation about what each individual person's experience was without it being again, drama, without it being blame me without presuming that we all have the same experience. I absolutely love that tool. Another tool I love that Simon taught me is called pacing. I don't think we talked about it on that, on that episode. So if, when you, you kind of put yourself in the position of your audience and it's easy to say, put yourself in their shoes, but here's an actual concrete tool where you can do it. Something like this. Um, I can imagine if I were in your shoes, I might feel blah, 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 blah. What's it like for you? Mm. So instead of presuming that you can put yourself in their shoes, quote, and understand what they're going through, it's more self-reveal. If I were in your shoes, here's how I'd feel. And then it kind of opens the door and gives them permission to have either that experience or some different one. But it's really like making that clear distinction that this is my perception and this is my, this is my piece of empathy, but I, I'm curious about you. I don't, I can't presume about you. I love that one. If I could put my, you know, if I were in your shoes, I would feel, and there's lots of different ways you can do it or even just naming what's going on. You know, I'm in a sort of dark room. There's some light coming back here. I see you're there. It's MLK day. We're 
you know, we've got braids on and, you know, and I'm curious what you're noticing about this day. Cause it's just a little bit of like slowing it down and naming what's around you is another form of pacing. Like in the culture of Alamo, when you first came in, I don't, I don't know anything about what the culture was like then. How was that style and just your general approach received? Was it a shift for anyone? Yeah, I think, I think I'm well received. First of all, the team is just amazing and so gracious and welcoming and I love everybody. And I think that, you know, in a crisis, it, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's a good, maybe it's a good time to start because there's just a desire for things to work. And so there's a willingness for people to connect mm-hmm. um, that might not always be as easy in a, in an organization that's humming along. Cause you have to be able to get into their groove immediately and hum with them. Cause you don't want to be the one slowing it down. A crisis mm-hmm. forces you to pause and think. Mm-hmm. So I think with the organization, what's shifting is just like, really, how do you go from this small, scrappy, cool company that's grown really rapidly that now needs to retain its soul, but build an infrastructure underneath it that allows it to continue to grow in a profitable way? Mm. And so for the organization, it's just been learning different skills, like, you know, part of create, part of staying cool is how do you keep your culture? Well, keeping mm-hmm. your culture is that you are onboarding people and you're communicating mm-hmm. that culture and educating it. And then when you're on board, you're making access to all of the tools, the knowledge, everything you need to be successful, super easy. Well, if you're really scrappy, somehow everybody knows like how to get the information. They know the culture, they mm-hmm. know the information, they know the tools. But now all of a sudden you're bringing in new people. What do you do, you yeah. know, to, to scale that? And that really, for me, I think has been the primary shift of what is the onboarding, the ongoing communication, the cadence mm. of communication, the style mm. of meetings that, uh, and that, that really kind of honor like everything that's been so awesome. Um, again, just the Ooh, creativity. Yeah. yeah. And then how do you just make more of it and more room for it? This is so fascinating. So you're talking about you came in and there's, there's a lot of um, implicit knowledge about what the culture is, how we treat each other, what we care about here, what's, what's highly valued. Right. And then there's also this like mm-hmm. transactional memory of how you get stuff done around here. Who do you need to know? but you're talking about kind of codifying it, but then how do you design experiences, especially that onboarding experience that intentionally locks that culture in or enculturates people as they come in, socializes them? What, what are some of the, the things that, you know, maybe some, some missteps along the way or some, some learnings and what are some of the things that worked and giving practical advice about, about that? Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. I think The learnings along the way is that, you know, knowledge is power. And if we want a diverse and equitable workplace, we have to share power and share power with everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And that means access to information tools, you know, everything that allows you to be successful in the workplace. I think that what I was great about doing is coming in and listening 
hard to fully listen because you're not physically present. And this is, a, it's not the, a true kind of workplace right now. I mean, it has become the true workplace, but it is, it is modified. And so trying to come in and listen and, and really be part of it and not just insert ideas and direction and find that balance. Mm-hmm. At times I did it really well. And at times I made some missteps, you know, didn't know enough of the, of the history or tools maybe that were working and tried to introduce new, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, and that's typical, um, you know, leadership skills of, you know, uh, you know, so some missteps there, some good things. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think when I look back, you know, what I'm proud about is, you know, my own, like, I like, again, your name of your podcast aloud. I've allowed myself not to be perfect. I've allowed myself not to be, you know, the industry expert because I'm not. I have allowed myself to show up and be the expert where I can be. But more importantly, I, you know, have a team that I've allowed to continue to be their experts and leaders and really shine. And when you talked about the CEO feeling like they need to talk a lot, it's stressful. Mm. There are times where you're like, just anyone, please you know, step up and talk. I'm, I don't know the answer, uh, you know, all the time. And, and I don't want to be the center of attention all the mm-hmm. time. It's, mm-hmm. it's intimidating. And a great team is where there's tons of people talking at different moments and they know when and how, and, you know, it's a symphony and the conductor's the quietest person. <laughs> it's beautiful. What have you learned about yourself along the way? I think I've learned a couple of things. This, this has been, you know, so as you kind of mentioned, I've jumped into challenging roles. I've been willing to take some pretty significant risks, move to different countries. But becoming the CEO was actually a, ri- a, a role that I had said I never wanted and a risk I said I would never take. <laughs> I'm not, so taking this role and becoming sort of it and accountable and not being able to look to a boss. I have the shareholders and, and, and the board of directors, but truly to someone has been really at times lonely and alienating and scary. Mm-hmm. And then so egocentric of myself to be like, oh, I'm it. Mm-hmm. I think over the last few months, I was like, no, like no one's ever it. Like Mm. how silly, you know, Mm. I have great people. I have the founder, I have my team, I have my peers and, and, you know, friends and network, the board of directors, like the whole community is there for you. Mm. And, you know, I became sort of isolated in this role by self-definition. And when I said, oh, stop, stop it. Like there is a whole world. You're not alone. And it's not just about you. Like, oh my gosh. It's beautiful. It's one of the number one things that I hear CEOs talk about is how lonely that role can be. Can you describe that a little more? You realize that you were doing it to yourself. I think I became really quiet and I was not willing to share how I was feeling with those around me because Mm. of the fear of if I tell you I'm nervous or I don't know what to do or I don't know, like, am I then not qualified for the role? And will that engender a lack of confidence? Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I realized that sometimes just telling people how I was feeling and being, I guess, vulnerable in the moment of like, I really don't know, I'm Mm -hmm. learning too. And and just starting to put that out there, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, a lot of support came and it stopped. Mm -hmm. And I realized like I had created this 
mindset. Nobody around me was saying I had to be perfect or have all the answers or that they wouldn't help. It was mm-hmm. me who said I had to show up and be whatever the CEO was versus yeah. the CEO is just a human. The CEO, like a different person, not me, the, the CEO. Exactly. Yeah. So, so this is some, some imposter syndrome stuff. Oh, totally. And thank you for naming it. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. We have an episode on imposter syndrome. I do remember this. Yeah, great. Yes. So we'll, we'll link to that in our show notes too. So the imposter syndrome, this is another one of those, like probably one of the top three things, right? That CEOs, I'm lonely, imposter syndrome, and I need to fix every. It's all, yeah, it's all on me. So the imposter syndrome being when we feel like we're a fraud, and that somebody is about to figure out that really we don't deserve to be in that role and everything will fall apart once they figure that out. But I think, you know, one of my theories is I do think that we, we do it to ourselves often by thinking that it's a role that we need to play or fit into and not realize that we are the one in the role. We are already the role. And of course, we don't know everything, but one of the best ways to learn something is to recognize that you don't know it is, is actually the essential first step. So that th- people really showed up for you and supported you, that speeds things up, right? It speeds up the culture around you and, and really brings out the best in people when they know, like, I got to step up here. Oh, absolutely. And then all of a sudden, I'm not hiding, mm-hmm. right? Because I think about how many conversations that imposter syndrome went, where I was hiding what I needed to say instead of just Mm. saying it and trusting Mm. that even if it fell flat or was wrong or whatever, which most of the time it's not, it's a riff. Like Mm. you put something in and people add to it and then it morphs into something fantastic. But that definitely was a huge change for me. And then people love it because they, you know, just like I love doing for people around me, Mm -hmm. riffing and adding and, and not having to have everything come in perfect packages. Wow. Did you notice any changes in your personal life with that realization as well? Yeah, I sleep a lot better. Oh. I mean, like hugely, because at night I was like playing back all of the what if, did I, should I, could I, you know? And so, yeah, I sleep a whole lot more than I was in the beginning. I'm so happy to hear that. So, to connect that to the drama triangle, it sounds like you stepped out of drama there. And so, yeah, your whole body, your whole internal ecosystem changed. And now you have much more wellness and vibrance and energy and aliveness. And I can just see like, there's an ease. I I genuinely feel like we could go anywhere in this conversation and you'd be okay with that. You know, like I don't, I don't have any sense that you have your guard up. That's a big deal. So for those who are just starting out any role or any challenge that is new to them, what advice would you give? I think it's take a few deep breaths as you've named your podcast so beautifully, allow yourself just to be, and then ask for help. And I think asking for help isn't, it doesn't have to be difficult. It's just sharing where you're at in the moment. And then the positive feedback cycle that will start will just help you, right? Get on that flywheel. Cause I was saying, you know, I said to a few friends was like all the great karma that's coming towards Alamo mm. right now and how many people are willing to help us, mm. um, you know, just because they want us to be successful and, you know, us as individuals, us as an organization, you know, that just, it's just become a positive 
feedback loop and, and then mm-hmm. you can give more back as a result. So I don't know, I guess it's just embrace it. No, it's scary. Everyone's scared. That's the good news. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and ask and, you know, allow it to happen. I'm so grateful that, well, overwhelmingly, I'm so grateful that you are taking really good care of yourself as a whole entire human being as you lead. And I know that that has such a positive ripple effect on everyone and everything that you touch and that they touch. I can't wait to visit an Alamo, which I've never been to. (laughs) Um, Once you reopen, when do you have any, any news you can give us about kind of timelines there? Yeah. So California, I hate to say it, we're waiting, right. And Mm -hmm. New York, two places we'd love to reopen. It will happen when it's safe. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we are, we, we will open the doors as fast as we can and I will let you know, and I'll come join you in LA. Oh, so fun. I can't wait. Let's do it. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you so much for being here. If people um, are interested in, you know, following your work and, and following Alamo, is there any way that you'd like them to reach out to you or, or where can they, where can we find you? Alamodrafthouse.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn and I do respond. So if someone wants to reach out, they can reach out either of those ways. And fantastic. But Great. I love connections, love meeting people. Great. We'll, we'll link to all of that in the show notes. And Yes, you are a definite people lover. I also am really excited. Uh, let's see. So today is Monday. Tomorrow uh, is going to be the first time that anyone learns about a new thing that I'm launching. So a lot of people have been reaching out and they want to connect with with me, with this work, with others. And it's really, really important to me for my own mission that that can be something that's very, very accessible to like the broadest possible population. Um, and that we're creating a space that is um, diverse and cutting edge and future oriented. So I have a membership site that is launching tomorrow. I'm so excited. So if, uh, if you're interested in learning more about that listeners, you can go to canilcom slash yes. And, uh, part of, part of the membership experience is going to be when I have interviews like this in the future. Um, one of those per month is going to actually be recorded live and after the recording piece of it is done, uh, the, the guest is going to stay on and we'll close the doors and it will be an intimate members only conversation with the guest. So you can just imagine if you're inside the membership, then this could be a conversation that you get to stick around for after we say goodbye here. And you'd get to actually ask Shelly your own questions in your own words and, and see her face in real life. So uh, please do check that out at Keneal.com slash yes. And Shelly, I, I would love for you to come back and be a guest again. Anytime. I'm honored. And thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Okay, everyone. Thanks for making time for yourself and for investing your energy and your aliveness in your life and in your leadership in your work. And you know that no matter what you think, I know that you are a leader and not a fraud. Go to camille.com slash yes. Sign up. Talk to you soon. Bye.